Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we're on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. This episode is part two of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. In the last episode, we talked about how to navigate uncertainty or how to navigate when you don't have the full map. Now we're going to talk about how do you integrate specialist and generalist skill sets. And that might be a little bit weird when you're thinking about map making, but as we think about how to make and then how to navigate the map, it's really critical that like Indy and his father, Henry, have different skill sets. They're able to use those in unison to be able to navigate towards a shared vision and objectives. So Dr. Jones, or Henry, has more of a specialist skill set as an archaeologist. So his expertise is in convergent thought, driving towards a solution to a problem or an answer to a question. Whereas Indy, also an archaeologist, has a different skill set entirely. His skill set is more of a generalist. He does well in uncertainty. Given a situation where the variables are constantly changing, his divergent skill set is all about quickly adapting and solving the problem. To be magnanimous leaders, we have to be able to shift between that specialist and generalist skill set. Otherwise, when we get to the test, or in Indy's case, the trials at the end of the movie, we're not going to have the ability to pass all three tests and complete our objectives. When we were talking about it, I realized for the first time, I've seen this movie how many times, Indiana Jones himself has never made a map. He's the classic explorer. He's the classic hero. We celebrate him because he just goes out there and he figures it out and he makes stuff happen and he follows the map. And in this case, X does eventually mark the spot. But Indy's not the guy that synthesizes all the domain knowledge and puts it down for others to follow. Like he's 100% just the bull in the china shop, just flailing around until he figures it out. And that heroic improvisation is something that we often celebrate in business and life. But if you zoom out a little bit on this movie, it's fun to just think about, yeah, what happens if Indy doesn't have his dad on this journey? How would he navigate this? Would he have even navigated it? How would he have survived at the end if it was just Indy against the Nazis with none of his supporting crew? It might be a very different story. So what do you, what do you think? How would that go, Drew? So we're jumping right into the what if here, right? What if Indy doesn't have his dad on this journey? How does he navigate on his own? That is such a fun thing to think about because, like you said, Indy is kind of your prototypical problem solver who loves to just be battered with new opportunities and figures his way through them as they arise. But he's not capable of making it all the way to the end by himself. I empathize with Indy here because I tend to operate a little bit more in the uncertainty. I like to be in that spot where there's it's not clear what's going to happen next. As an example, like I don't mind being put on the spot for public speaking. Weirdly, I don't mind presenting other people's material, even if I've hardly seen it. If I understand the narrative, I'm like, yeah, I just put it in front of me. I'm happy to present it. I'm all about the vision and the mission. So I'll make sure that that is what gets through to people. But when it comes to actually achieving results, that's not going to be enough. We need the specialist personas who can come in and answer specific questions. So to me, what happens without this? I think Indy ends up just going home, right? There's an involvement with the Nazis and he has some stake in that. But without having the specialist who can make those snaps in between the different pieces of the map or in between the different models, 
I just don't see how Indy has the drive to even with the mission to be able to continue because he just kind of you kind of reach a bridge that's too far to cross. And you're just like, well, I've looked to the left and I've looked to the right and I don't know how to cross it. I don't want to give up, but there's other problems for me to solve. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, Indy is a. He's only involved in this in the first place because of the relationships, right? He's not in it initially because he's super excited about hunting down the Holy Grail. He's like, that's somebody else's thing. Like, that's my dad's thing. You're you're talking to the wrong Dr. Jones. He's in it to save his dad. It's only halfway through the movie at his crossroads moment where he decides to buy into the bigger mission. But even then, exactly like you said, he's got the explorer skills. He's got the improvisational skills. Indy would be 100% comfortable doing an unscripted podcast. But... He wouldn't spend 20 years studying something to know exactly the nuances and the lay of the land and the arcane domain knowledge to survive the trials. You know, when he gets to the end, he's going to need Henry's voice in his head and he's going to need all of the other characters that got him to that point to be able to successfully complete it. Yeah, I think to navigate as humans, we need to be able to integrate that specialist skill set and that generalist skill set. When we see dysfunction, despite having both of those skill sets available, that's usually a sign that we're lacking the interlopers or to take it in Stranger Things terminology from a couple episodes back. We have an acrobat, but we have no flea. We have nobody who is able to traverse the upside down and the right side up and help us to understand what's actually going on here. Who's able to kind of cross communicate between those who have all of that specific knowledge and skills and those who have the general skills that allow us to kind of move into the uncertainty with just enough information at our disposal. Yeah, and there are definitely recognizing those different personalities and skill sets and comfort zones is really important, right? You'll have people on your team, you'll have people in your organization who are by nature explorers, who are Drew and they just want to go try the new thing and figure it out for themselves and then come back with a report of how exciting it is. And you'll have people that are that are Henry, that are map makers, that just want to live in the domain knowledge and figure things out and write them down for other people to learn from. And you'll have people that are really good at following the map. It was like, I just, I want to, I want to know exactly the terrain. And I know what I want to know exactly the mission. And I'm just going to go do the thing. I, I actually had this experience on a project a couple of years ago where we were trying to create a, a small technology, fairly innovative technology gadget to help us in a task within our business, just within the office. And we had some really creative IT people working on it. And we had a domain specialist who was going to be responsible for executing the task at the end of the day, you know, supporting that role today and was going to have to do it with the new gadget when it was working. Throughout the course of the development, as we were sort of experimenting with technology and trying to get this cool thing to work, our domain expert was incredibly disruptive. We just, you know, come to every meeting like, this doesn't work. This is a complete disaster. It's not reliable. I don't understand. The interface is ugly. Like, this is, why are we even working on this? And the IT team got really frustrated. The technology team was like, why is this person even in the room? What I eventually realized and tried to kind of bridge the gap back to back to our tech people was like, no, you don't understand. If we get this person on board now, if they buy into the fact that their opinion was involved and that we built their specifications, once it's working, they will take it and run with it and you will never have to think about it again. It will be 100 percent perfectly complied with and well supported because that's this 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 associate's personality is somebody that wants to make sure that the same thing goes perfectly every single time. 
And that's very different from the explorer mindset. And it's often in conflict. If you're in one of those learning phases, those people are very uncomfortable with the map being imperfect. <laughs> but it's very powerful to realize that you're going to need to bridge to that sustaining mode where somebody's going to have to just take it and make it work perfectly forever after that. Somebody needs to do that too. And if you get them involved early, you can have the opportunity to maybe really do something great. I like what you're getting into here with the conflict between the specialist and the generalist. And there's many different types of specialists. The generalist, there are different types of, I would say, but fewer types on the generalist side. That conflict that's created between the two, if left unresolved, will just result, in my experience, in the generalists over here conjecturing about what could and should happen and you know, they probably go in the right direction. They probably have done a fairly decent job of putting together a map and trying to figure out how could we navigate the map, but they're not going to be able to do anything with the map, basically, because they need the specialists to be able to get between B and C, for example, right? Maybe they know how to get from A to B because that's more in our near-term horizon. But when we go to get from B to C, we need a specialist like Dr. Jones, who has the journal, is like, yeah, I've already figured out how to solve these trials, potentially, right? No, again, could he face the trials himself? Not necessarily, because if he goes and he faces the first trial there where he has to bow down so that the blade doesn't decapitate him, I, I don't think that John Connery is going to be able to make that cut. Like, he might bow too slowly because he's too pensive about it or something like that. Or yeah, he might yeah. never even approach the trial because he's just sitting from the outside looking in at it for so long. And they, they have a lot of fun with that through the course of this movie, right? The contrast between the personalities and the operating styles and the skill sets. They play that for laughs and we get a lot of fun out of, you know, Henry looking at Indy and, you know, like unimpressed and winding his watch after some exciting action scene happens or, you know, or out of Marcus Brody in the market somewhere in the Middle East. Does anybody here speak English? <laughs> like just completely fish out of water, no skills to deal with this situation that he's gotten into. Right. He's, he's completely the wrong person for that mission. They play that for laughs. But it's a real thing. And in classic adventure movie fashion, you know, you build the team, but then you kind of got to figure out how the team can work together and leverage all their skills to actually solve the problem at the end. And exactly as you said, yeah, the knowledge of how to pass the trials is something that only Henry could have had from his decades of study and his domain knowledge. But he's not going to do the somersault through the whirling saw blades and avoid being decapitated. <laughs> like That's not his skill set. So you need the indie character to go actually execute the thing. The signature image or scene or you know moment in this in the back half of the movie then is in the trials, you've got Indy who is going through and executing and he's done two of them successfully with Henry's advice. And then he has to literally just step off a cliff, the leap of faith moment where he's like, literally, I have to just do something that's clearly that looks like it's going to kill me. I've got to believe that it's going to work because I've been forced into this uncomfortable situation, but also because, you know, because I have to have faith that the advice that I've been given, the map that I've been given, the expertise that I've learned from and my skills are all going to come together and it's going to work. And so, again, it's not subtle. This is not a subtle movie, but it's one of those moments like, all right, are you stepping off the ledge? And why do you believe that that might work? I mean, how do you develop that confidence or how motivated do you have to be to try it? Don't you want to take a leap of faith or become an old man filled with regret? That's one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. Saito from Inception. Excellent. He it's so good, but it hits you in real life. It hits you in business. That moment of the test is taking the leap of faith, right? Like you said, it's super on the nose here. <laughs> We're going after the Holy Grail. We have to take a leap of faith. 
So in, in the business, it's less helpful to be able to use those sort of analogies because they're tired and people are like, yeah, you want us to go after the golden goose. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get the thing that performs alchemy because humans love gold. <laughs> That's not very effective leadership. But what is effective leadership is the integration of the specialist skill set and appreciation of the specialist's information and abilities tied together with the generalist who is able to stitch those things into the narrative and be able to act on them. So Indy's here, and, and some people might look at Indy and say, well, Indy has his own specialist skills. And he absolutely does. He is an archeologist. He is good at teaching and engaging students. He does have access to his own set of information and he's able to, to make his own judgments based on his knowledge of history his knowledge of pottery, ancient tablets, whatever. Yeah, sometimes he's going to be the farthest right on a skill set in the room. And sometimes that same skill set, he might be closer to the farthest left. So let me give an example of that. From a data analytics perspective, right, we love to talk data on here. We're both big data guys. For me, sometimes I'm in the room and I'm like the farthest right on the curve in terms of data analytics. When I'm in a room full of business people, like, yeah, we can write a script that does that. You know, we can build a model that does that. I, you know, I can prototype it for you. But then when it comes time to do things like putting machine learning models in production <laughs> and I'm in the room with the technical team, I might be the furthest left on the curve there because I don't fully understand what it's going to take to be able to do this. I don't fully understand what packages of code that we need to use in order to productionize this and what's going to be the trade-offs between one versus the other technology. So to be the specialist in one scenario is not always to be that same specialist in every scenario. And I think that's one of the keys of the integrator is to understand understand what does a specialist and a generalist look like in this test, in this scenario? Yeah, that's really great. I love that. Sometimes you're Henry and you're like, I've studied this for 30 years and the Nazis are going to cover the whole world in darkness and we need to go that way, right? You know, I'm, I'm all the way on the, the left axis of your example. And sometimes you're like, I just need to punch a Nazi in the face right now to get through this situation, right? That's my role is I'm the specialist. But an interesting thing about this, if you think about it from, you know, again, Indy's not the one that makes the maps. Indy's not even necessarily the one who sees the broader vision until quite far into it. Other characters have that role. Marcus is a, sort of a mentor figure and Henry is sort of the, the expert advisor or specialist or the, you know, to some extent, the leader. He was on this mission first. He was on the dig before he got abducted. But those characters are willing to let Indy be the hero. They recognize that the one who's got the skill set to like actually walk the path is going to possibly be the one that gets the glory, is going to be the one that actually closes the deal. And they recognize that. And that's also a challenge as a leader is, you know, recognizing that if you understand the big picture, if you understand the mission, if you get everybody aligned around it, you collect the skill sets, you're going off it. Somebody else may be the one that actually gets to stand up at the end of the press conference and talk about how successful it was. And that's a classic. That's a that's a Sun Tzu quote from 2600 years ago. When you succeed at something that people will say they did it themselves. And it's so hard to figure out where that line is. For me as an integrator, I, of course, I want to be the hero and I prefer to be the person out front being the spokesperson, casting the narrative and then working with the technical team. And so in my journey of magnanimous leadership, it's been very humbling to constantly challenge myself to say, how do we put somebody else out in front? How do we make sure that even though somebody else might not have the experience to talk authoritatively or to be able to have the type of kind of influential voice here. How do we promote other people, like you said in the quote, to be able to do that? 
And sometimes it's challenging because you have the specialist who's so good at their thing and you want to help them, you know, as their leader, their manager, whatever, to be able to take that next step. And they just don't seem to want to take it. They want to continue to operate in that specialist world. They want to just be the best at using this framework to build web apps or something like that. And you're like, but I can see you can understand the tactics and the strategy. You can understand the business, but they, they don't necessarily want to be taken out of that. And vice versa, you find certain people that just want to operate in the generalist space. They just want to be looking at the map level view of things and saying we should go here not here yeah and those are both uh, you know like you brought in the magnanimous leader which i think is this incredibly powerful recurring theme here on wonder tour is that none of these things are prescriptive none of these things are clear-cut you need to recognize that people have different mindsets and preferences and skill sets and every one of them wants to be the hero of their own story. In their mind, they want to show up to work and solve the problem and be Indiana Jones and punch the Nazis in the face, right? Like they, they want to have those opportunities, but it may not be in, this, in the way that you imagine being a hero looks like. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is that none of these things are static, that these people have the potential for growth and they have agency over what direction they grow in. And so managing these kind of continually evolving teams and giving them opportunities and not making it about yourself, but also not forcing people into situations that they won't succeed in or won't embrace. It's just it's a dance. It's learning. It's ex that's exploring all by itself. That's one of the real challenges and joys of the magnanimous leader is being able to put people in that position and being able to zoom out and understand the context of what it means. And like you said, <laughs> keeping your options open. Yeah, one thing that I keep coming back to is and, and again, only people who are on the journey will <laughs> <laughs> the world would think this is stupid, right? But the people on the, the Wonder Tour journey wouldn't, is I must become less. <laughs> it's so challenging to think that way. Let me become less. But when you're talking about integrating the generalists and the specialists to be able to accomplish the mission and succeed on the journey, me becoming less as the magnanimous leader is part of the process. I want to be able to step back and let others step up to face the test. I don't want to have to face the test because if I have to face the test every time, then when I'm gone, no one is going to be able to pass the test without me. It's absolutely critical that we equip others to be able to pass the test, which means we have to continue to provide integration and not just actually integrating the specialist and the generalist. And this is the hardest part, doing the real touchy-feely business. <laughs> They're the business that doesn't have key metrics tied to it. We have to get the generalists and the specialists to be able to collaborate without us being as the fleet of the acrobat, always being in the center. Because otherwise we always have to be in the room in order to get them to collaborate. Yeah. Again, if we pull stuff out of the tech world, right, the self-organizing teams idea that showed up in agile software development, you know, in the last 20 years is there's some really compelling and challenging things about there about what level of directive do you have to be and how much agency can you give people? Maybe to put it phrase it the opposite way, like what's the what's the minimum possible amount of direction we can give people? What's the simplest possible map we can give them and let them go explore? And again, it just a lot of that's just recognizing what situation you're in. If you're in a production environment where everything has to go exactly right down to the second over and over again for it to work, then you want to be very careful about where you allow people to explore. If you're in an environment where things are either not working at all or your entire job is to figure out the new things, then less structure and more more organization around identifying and rewarding the exploration is maybe appropriate. So if we're trying to figure out some key takeaways from our journey through Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade here, 
I think if we take it out to the metal level, and this is Wonder Tour, so I think the expectation is that we're able to take it out to the metal level. <laughs> What's our map for how to make a map? That's what this whole series is about, is creating a model or a series of models that we use to create models. It's like creating the machine that can build more machines. So with that, to try to get down to more brass tacks, what type of a mindset do we need in order to create maps? Because I think the map making process is mainly about what models do you use to create other models? Am I right? Or is there an easier way to talk about that, Brian? I like summarizing it in this direction, right? Some of it is that if you think about what people are going to do with the map, like what's the right level of detail, which artifacts need to be on it and what pieces of information. Do I need to know the names of the roads? Do I need to know the elevation changes? Do I need to know the typical weather? What needs to be on the map so that people can navigate it? But the idea that the people, you know, that if you have the domain knowledge to build the map, you're probably, you may have been the explorer, you might have been Lewis and Clark and went out and mapped it yourself. But the intention is that other people will use that to navigate. So you have to have some idea of what their uses are going to be. Like we talked about a little bit in the last episode, there's the entire range of very primitive maps that just have the, the canyon of the crescent moon and the three roads that go to it. And we got to figure out what the city is. There's that map all the way up to Google Maps, turn-by-turn -turn navigation, infinitely variable levels of detail. You can use those analogies as you try to decide what you're providing. Are you trying to provide turn-by-turn -turn directions, or are you trying to provide just enough information that people can go do exploring and fill in the gaps for you? Yeah, so what type of map we're providing is absolutely key. And then kind of as we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes, the X doesn't mark the spot in terms of character development. So if we're on this journey to become better leaders for the good of others, it isn't following a map necessarily. Yet there are models that are very helpful in going through that. And so one of those meta models is to stop and understand who are the players in the game and what are their objectives? What are their missions? What are their skill sets? And how am I going to leverage them together? And this is going to seem like leadership 101 here. But I think as we develop outward from here, it's not leadership 101 to me, I don't think, to be able to see the specialists and the generalists for what they are and then be able to help to integrate them together in a sustainable way. Yes, identifying a specialist and a generalist, yeah, that's leadership 101. But to be able to integrate them together towards an objective, towards following the map that we have, that's what's really challenging as a leader. Because if every leader could handle doing that, then it would just be all about just hire the people with the right skills and the diverse team and then just let them loose. There's as much art as science to any of this. Even if you have the map, there's a lot of, you know, the map is not the terrain, right? It's, there's a lot of nuances that you're going to have to navigate. But providing the appropriate level of map to the team and getting the team working together. Again, this movie was this really fun, lightweight roller coaster ride where, of course, the bad guys were super bad. And, of course, the good guys were going to win. But it also has these wonderful archetypes of characters and it has these wonderful examples of decision moments and the trials and the successes and the opportunities for agency. And so. I think as we get deeper into the map making series over the next couple episodes, we're going to be a little bit less explicit about movies that are centered around maps. But this idea of, like you said, sort of the meta models of what's the world we're living in and what piece of information we need to pay attention to and how do we orient ourselves where we are now and what are our goals? Those are recurring themes, and that's a recurring challenge in the leadership world. Awesome. Well, I think that just about wraps it up here, Brian. Next week, we'll be back with one of the highest grossing movies of all time, an absolute classic, Avatar. 
So uh, saddle up your battle mechs and or your uh, flying blue dragons, and we'll get ready for Avatar in our next episode. And just remember, between now and then, character is destiny. <laughs> <laughs>